OG people, hello and welcome to Blockchain Insider. I'm Mauricio Magaldi, Global Strategy Director for Crypto at 11FS, and this is episode 190. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, the amazing Kai Sheffield, head of crypto at Visa. Hi, Kai. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. We've got more AI to talk about. You know, it just doesn't go away. There's always something to say about <laughs> AI. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. This is a very interesting one. Uh, we've started diving deeper into AI lately. There's so much uh, to explore. It continues to make more and more headlines, more and more announcements. So for today's show, we want to take a look at something that is kind of feels inevitable in this space, which is uh, AI chatbots in crypto. So without giving too much away, so let's uh, welcome our guest today, David Morris, Chief Insights Columnist at Coindesk. How are you doing today, David? Uh, welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Mauricio. Hi, Kai. Uh, great to be here. Yeah, I am the uh, head columnist at Coindesk, which means I primarily write kind of opinion pieces, analysis, and features that ranges from uh, exploring new topics like this one um, to, to sort of trying to identify and highlight bad actors and everything in between. And yeah, obviously AI, uh, a, a burgeoning topic in general and, and a lot of effort going on to try and figure out how that might fit into the crypto space for sure. Cool. So before we dive in, just as a reminder to our listeners, the views or opinions of our panel are their own and don't necessarily reflect those of the companies that they are representing. And as always... Nothing we say should be taken as tax, financial, or legal advice. So go do your own research. So let's get started. So what's the deal with AI and chatbots? So just from the top of my mind, the recent announcements we've seen, there's Omnify with a wallet chatbot, which is a chatbot that is supposed to make it easier for us to command a wallet to perform transactions with its own pros and cons. Alchemy AI Polygon, Copilot are two assistants to developers. I know GitHub as well has a, a, a an AI copilot, and it's obviously kind of omnipresent in crypto as as the, this uh, code base uh, management. And then uh, recently we had Dune here on the show on the episode one eighty seven. If you haven't checked that out, Matt Solson, great conversation. And also Hedera recently announced an, an integration with ChatGPT as Dune has. So this is kind of, you know, broadly where we're seeing AI coming into the scene in crypto as an industry. Before we were recording, uh, Kai, you started kind of trying to give this kind of a format or, or structure so, so we can kind of start talking about all of these. So what is it on your mind when you hear all about these new announcements? How do how do they play into your head? Yeah, so I guess in, in my mind, the, the framework that I found helpful is that it seems like they're really kind of three categories of these different AI explorations and, and initiatives. And you know, the first category I just broadly call like productivity. Uh, and so you know, even if an, an end consumer doesn't see any of this, it's how are AI tools enabling crypto developers, crypto data scientists, you know, to do more work, you know, faster with fewer resources. Uh, and I think that kind of applies to many industries. I think crypto happens to be kind of more early adopting to new technologies. So perhaps it gets the benefits of it, you know, first. Uh, the second category uh, I would put is broadly like education. Uh, it seems that that's been one of the uses of, you know, how do you get people to use AI to learn about crypto? And we've seen a number of the exchanges, you know, creating their own chatbots. 
And then the third, probably the most interesting, but the most kind of you know futuristic, uh, are you know chatbots that can actually transact. And so, what does it mean if a you know if AI has your the ability to sign a transaction on your behalf? You know, what does it even mean outside of crypto if you know AI could could use a a card to make a payment? And so, kind of this idea of shopping assistance or investing assistance that you know, actually take actions. And so those are kind of the three categories. And maybe, David, I'd be curious how you think about maybe starting with the productivity category, like how much of this is hype and how much of this is real? Will AI actually, you know, make people more productive in the way people are promising? Well, I I will answer that question, but I actually want to add, I think, like one and a half categories to the three that you just laid out. And the half is... Like, yes, if you have a chat bot that will, you know, become an interface for transactions, I think that has potential. It's very interesting. But also, you know, I, I have been doing this for a long time and paying attention to uh, what's going on here, including the conversations around DAOs that happened when they first emerged, going back to, you know, 2015, 2016. One of the ideas that I think has kind of fallen by the wayside is that a DAO, you know, it's in the name there, right? Autonomous. And that has not really turned out to be what DAOs are. But originally, the idea would be that you install some sort of entity that interacts through the blockchain that behaves autonomously. So maybe we're not talking about chatbots per se, but there is an AI element there, right? Where if you put something, if you give something, you know, the term that was used at the time was business logic, right? You have a way for it to make decisions about how it's strategically executing transactions or whatever it's managing. And and so, you know, it's unclear how that would actually fit on a technical level still, but this basic idea that you have an entity that can control something on chain and uses sort of algorithmic logic to make decisions about how it manages those resources, I would say that's a that's a, 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 a another half to that third category of yours about transacting. The fourth category that I would add, which I think it's it's not intuitively obvious necessarily, but I think may actually be for my money, the most interesting application is not, in fact, chatbots, but how to use the blockchain to combat the bad sides of chatbots. So this would include things like how to establish identity online, particularly. And, you know, we can talk about this in more depth, but this goes all the way back to the origins of crypto. If you if you know, um, you know, Adam Back, who now works at Blockstream, developed a, an early design for what would become Bitcoin called Hashcash. And the initial point of Hashcash was that you would attach it to emails so that emails would not be spammable. And so the entire blockchain system on some level is about anti-spam. And that applies to transactions, right? Like you can't double spend a Bitcoin because there's anti-spam systems that are inherent to the way that it's set up. And, and so I think that's a fourth very important thing where it's not it's not the AI itself. It's not an application of AI. It's an application of blockchain to solve the problems of AI. And we're already seeing that. I mean, I assume you guys are fairly engaged on crypto Twitter. And we're now seeing like AI bots who are that are able to sort of like recycle 
posts and like be like little automated reply guys and actually get past the spam filters that that Twitter has um, and that have been relatively effective. Um, but now they're they're learning to break that. So we're already seeing the early signs that we need stronger identity protections and sort of origination tracking for data online. And I think that there's a whole world of applications for that. But to to sort of go back to your first question, I think that the opportunity for using AI and chatbots as basically an interface is huge, right? Because obviously we know that one of the biggest problems for crypto is onboarding new people who have to deal with things like, you know, obviously the underlying issue ultimately comes down to how do you manage your private keys? That's like the big barrier. And I'm not sure that AI is going to be a particular help there because it always in, involves like an intermediary and some kind of risk that you have to take in order to streamline that process. Um, and I'm not sure how AI fundamentally changes that like red line challenge. But in terms of other kinds of interactions, um, and especially for like, you know, understanding complex contracts on DeFi, things like that, or, or you know, those those definitely seem like there's some promise there. Um, obviously, also some risk because you have lim- less transparency in that case. So, so it still falls into that bucket of the complicated discussion around the balance between um, accessibility and you know transparency, right? Because every time somebody is going to be a new kind of intermediary, there's some degree to which scams will sneak in there. And so, you know, we may see useful AI chatbots, but to the degree we see useful AI chatbots in crypto, some of those will be scams of some sort, I think. Uh, and that, that's worth keeping in mind. Yeah, no, you, you spot on on one point that we keep talking about, which is the UX in crypto is broken, essentially. So if you get what ChatGPT, you know, OpenAI did with ChatGPT in being a prompt, like as simple as Google search, right? Mm-hmm. Just a white Absolutely. bar, you type in, you know, whatever you want to query about, and it would respond to you in a logical and sensible way. Uh, it's millions of miles away from the existing UX that we have in crypto. So obviously, we're not talking about financialized transactions in ChatGPT yet, but 1 million users in five days is the fastest application to reach a million users in history. We haven't reached uh, a billion users in crypto yet. Everyone that's in the space is trying to get to onboard the next billion people. But there's got to be a sweet spot. There's got to be a happy medium between being as simple as a conversational interface to do whatever and being, you know, require you to be a mini engineer to do anything, which is what crypto kind of requires you to be in the current state of affairs. Now, back to the transact category that you laid uh, laid out, Kai, and, and kind of the DAO autonomous uh, nature of this. There's also the security of us dealing with seed phrases and primary keys through a third-party agent that would then facilitate the UX, which kind of creates that removal of ownership that, you know, your keys, your coins, not your keys, not your coins kind of debate in the crypto. What is what is it that, and I may be jumping the gun to the future, uh, you know, exploration of this, but what is it that needs to be, in your opinion, obviously, resolved so this security implication becomes something that we can, in a potentially comfortable manner, deal with, even if we are 
very much crypto and de DeFi, DeGens. So what is what is in security? And I, I know none of us is a potentially a security expert, but as users that are into this space, what would you would we like to see? The first question for me would be, do you actually need to give you know, the AI access to your private keys for it to be useful? And kind of what can you do in the transaction flow and the experience where it can add value without having to control your keys? And so I think about that almost as like composing a transaction. And I think what's unique about crypto is there's just, transactions can be so much more complex. You can have a single transaction that can do many different things in it. And I think we're kind of used to today, you know, everything is one transaction. You know, I'm gonna you know, approve an asset on Uniswap, I'm gonna you know, swap you know, USDC for ETH, then I'm gonna deposit the ETH into Compound. Then we're, like each of these things is one transaction. I think one cool experience could be, could you in human language say what you are ultimately trying to do? You know, I'd like to buy $1,000 of ETH, deposit it you know, in a protocol, and then borrow $500 against it and have that $500 of USDC deposited in my bank account. Like, could you put that in human language and could it be possible to compose a transaction that all in one, you then use your private key and sign, and it does all of those steps? And I think that's where we need to have much better you know, visibility into what's happening in a transaction, which we're kind of starting to see today with you know some of the tools before you sign something, they try and kind of give you, okay, what exactly are you signing? And so that's the first area that, that I'd love to see more innovation and of like, I don't want to give my private key at, at this stage. Uh, you know, I want to see what can you do in composing, you know, the logic of a transaction that then I can sign. And I'm not a developer. I wouldn't know how to write a smart contract that strings together those four different steps. And maybe the fifth step is a, you know, an off-chain API to a, you know, centralized, you know, on and off ramp. So can you compose those things and let me sign it? Uh, I think that would be an interesting place to start. Yeah, I think that's definitely promising. And we've already seen, you know, I mean, if you're uh, paying attention to certain people on Twitter, there have already been experiments where people are, are successfully writing Solidity code using a chat interface. The one caveat that I would throw up here, and, and I think that we're, you know, we're using chat GPT as kind of a general term, but it is definitely important to, to point out that, you know, language generators can't do math. Um, and I think this is something that people are figuring out, but like an LLM would have to have, you know, if there's any mathematical element at all in what you're trying to do, an LLM would have to have some other unit bolted onto it in a very sort of custom way, I think, to work as, because you have, you know, it's just like, in the same way that there's a, there's a transaction flow that's multi-stage in crypto, where you go from this to that to the third, um, you know, there an AI, at least right now, pretty much does a very specific thing. And an LLM is just a probabilistic language analysis tool. It doesn't really understand numbers at all, um, which is why you get some of the hilarious uh, answers from, from ChatGPT that we've seen over the past few months. And so, you know, I guess that's worth noting because it means that for the thing that you're imagining, Kai, somebody in crypto, basically, is going to have to build that stack specifically for that application. So you can't just like, 
you know, plug in chat GPT itself and have it ex- expect it to, you know, behave in a completely linearly logical way when it comes to, to transactions. So somebody is somebody's going to have to do that work. But I think that the, um, the concept is solid for sure. Okay, so we're just going to take a quick pause here and be back very shortly. This episode is brought to you by Visa, one of the world's leaders in digital payments. Crypto has opened up a new world of possibilities, and Visa is helping everyone take part. Consumers can now enjoy the freedom and flexibility of using their Visa crypto link cards for everyday purchases at millions of Visa-accepting merchant locations around the world. Join us in this new money movement. Learn more at visa.com forward slash crypto. Some of the headlines uh, that we've seen capturing are more like towards the productivity side of things. And, and you guys alluded to this. I'm particularly curious, what are the benefits for developers? Because the UX for developers is also something that needs to be increasingly more friendly. And the more developers we have, the better the ecosystem progresses. And we've seen this with metrics from different ecosystems. The more developers you have, the more healthy that ecosystem becomes. So if if chatbots will make easier for more developers to, and I'm going to use this loosely, onboard into crypto, then it's it, we have increasingly better code being run. And then hopefully, as you, as you pointed out, code becomes law and then it can run a DAO on, a, on an autonomous basis. And this is kind of, is very prospective. But also we've seen a lot of headlines on exploits that were not necessarily exploits on DeFi protocols, for instance, that were exploited on the merits of a poor developed contract, but it was exploiting the logic of the protocol. And you can only reach the point where you perceive that the logic can be exploited when you're running specific scenarios. So I think it was Mongo Markets, the one that kind of comes to mind that the logic was there, the contract was sound, but in specific market conditions, you could actually empty out a pool or a treasury. So where do you think in terms of enhancing security, we can see AI playing a part, even if it's in a, on a conversational basis with a developer or with a tester? What is, what, is, what is that potential you see? I think there's two separate aspects to this. One is, you know, okay, maybe you do have an LLM interface that could make that more useful for people. But the actual logic that would be involved in there that is, is um, you know, a different sort of AI that would be, I mean, the earliest successful AIs were all game theory, basically. So you have a, a controlled system to a certain extent, something like you know, Go, AlphaGo, one of the one of the big early breakthroughs in AI. Chess AIs were were very early, um, and you can think of something like Mango Markets or a, or a DeFi platform. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking theoretically here, and, and it's not complete because obviously, when you're dealing with finance, it's not a closed system exactly. You're you're dealing with other factors that are unknowns even to that system. Um, and so it, it would be, it would still be probabilistic, I think, is one thing that you would have to say, is that if you're trying to do a, because, you know, we're not really talking about a security audit per se, we're talking about a financial audit, essentially. And so you can conceptualize an AI 
that would, you know, the way an AI wins a chess game is it runs every possibility. It just has the, the computing power to game out every single possible decision and all of the decisions that flow from that decision. And by the same token, I think if you're if you're using an AI to look for financial exploits that are possible in a, a DeFi system, I think it can just like run all of the scenarios. And, and again, there would be still some probabilistic elements because you have externalities. Um, but uh, but I think there's some real promise there. And, and to some degree, I'm kind of surprised it hasn't already taken off. I, or maybe it has, and I don't know about it, that some of these audit companies are, are actually doing this. Um, but uh, it, it certainly seems promising. I think we've seen companies like Gauntlet Networks, you know, really specialize in kind of running simulations and, you know, understanding, particularly when governance proposals are happening on a DeFi protocol, what are the potential attack vectors, you know, based on it? And it's less about, you know, a bug in the smart contract, but more about how they can be manipulated. So I think it's kind of like, it's a different set of security issues that, you know, maybe AI can be useful in to some extent, but in practice, you know, we've talked to a number of developers now who have said that, you know, using AI-assisted tools has, you know, tripled their productivity over a certain time period. And so they've found that it's both, you know, having this, you know, coding assistant, you know, open in a window that has been able to help them, you know, figure out, solve short-term, you know, problems as they're, they're coding, and then to do automated testing uh, particularly of smart contracts right after they're writing them. And, you know, it's interesting when you talk to a number of the, like, auditing firms, they say that, like, they're always surprised, like, that they get smart contracts that are brought to them that have, like, very basic bugs. Things that they're like, why are you spending so much money, like, going to an auditing firm? And, like, like did, did you do any work on this first? And so it feels like AI-based tools can help with some of the common you know, really basic bugs that can be kind of built into some of the the testing procedures that developers use. So that it doesn't mean you don't need to, you know, go to auditing firms anymore. It just means that the auditing firms can focus on, you know, the much more complex uh, things that are just harder to catch. And so I think we, we've talked to multiple companies now who have started to, you know, bring kind of their entire developer pipeline and lifecycle into using either you know, third-party AI tools, or they're building some of their own AI tools. And and I'm really interested to see across industries, like, do crypto companies adopt and embrace these first, given that they tend to be, you know, very early adopting people in general, and because so much of it is open source? Because I think that's the other concern. If, if you're using AI tools, you know, as a developer, you know, you might think more about it if you're writing a very proprietary uh, you know, code that, you know, you don't want it to be training another model. If you're writing smart contracts, they're going to be open source anyway. You could pull from this library and all this history of open source code that's written and your code will be there anyway. Yeah. And so I'm interested to see as an industry where crypto stands out on, on AI-assisted code. And you, you've hit on a bunch of really important things there. And I think one of the reasons, I mean, a, like the open source thing is obviously a good reason that this is a fit for, for crypto, but it's not like, it's not just that crypto is an early adopter, it's that crypto is itself still early. And, you know, especially last year, two years ago, you know, we saw how absurd the the demand for, you know, Solidity developers in particular was, because that's just a very hard language. I'm is my understanding. I'm not a I'm not an engineer, but um, but and and so what the AI is doing when you're 
looking at these coding tools and you mentioned Copilot. I'm being reductive because it's, not, it's certainly not this simple, but essentially an LLM or these other types of chatbots is just an aggregator of all of the wisdom that's already out there. And they, they, they put it in a very simple, simple to interact with form. I mean, you're essentially, and this is, it's also an ethical question and a, a legal question to some extent, because you're essentially, you know, drawing on the work that other people have done other humans. It's not like the AI is writing the code per se. The AI is pulling from stuff that has already been created and reassembling it and and under pulling out the, the logic underneath it. And, you know, that can just be a useful way for people to share knowledge when there just aren't enough people who know the code base, you know? So at a, at a high level, it's hard to overemphasize the potential there of just, okay, you don't know how to write solidity perfectly, but you can kind of get there with some, some collective help. I do also think on this topic, it's important to point out because Copilot came up specifically, I don't know if, if that's specifically the Microsoft product, but um, it remains to be seen how serious these are, but, but Copilot is being sued um, by groups of developers who believe that it constitutes um, intellectual property in infringement. And so that's something to just kind of keep in mind as we talk about this stuff. I mean, I think that the inexorable logic of the market means that these things are not going to be stopped, but um, there is still, you know, there may be hurdles and there may also just be better ways to do it from a business practice perspective in terms of, you know, maybe we can build a repository that's specifically drawing only on open source work that has already been, you know, given certain permissions to be used in this way by a, by an LLM or, or by a coding tool. Um, so those are all important considerations as we look at how these are going to go forward. I, I think that's a perfect segue as we now tackle a little bit going forward towards the future of adoption of AI in crypto, which is kind of the intersection we're trying to explore. So I think what we're going to see, and I want to try it out with you guys, is regulation is going to become increasingly clearer in crypto across multiple jurisdictions, be it regulation by principle, be it regulation by enforcement, it doesn't matter. The rules of the game are going to become clearer and clearer. And being rules as such, we will be able to use those to train AI, right? So what is the potential of that convergence of having clear regulation, better trained AI, when we are building the new crypto economy as we move forward? Where do you think those things come into play? And can that be a better scenario for crypto going forward? That's a that's an interesting question. I mean, I think that the idea that an AI is going to, I mean, well, there, there is one really obvious point there, which is, yes, the rules are going to become clearer, but we're still not anywhere close to some sort of global reconciliation where everybody's going to actually be on the same page for regulation. Um, and, and so one thing that I think people who try and, you know, conform to the new regulatory regimes, you know, obviously we have we have MICA now, which uh, people seem to more or less like, but there will be also regional differences. And so you can see a scenario where maybe somebody is using an AI assistant to just have a better command of the regulatory regimes in different places as they emerge. So that's definitely one. I mean, this is pure speculation. But, well, it's difficult, but there, there may be some scenario where an AI can help you actually 
target different products to different jurisdictions or design a product slightly differently for different jurisdictions in order to conform with all of the various things. That's a possibility. I mean, I will say that it, this is also an example of some of the limits of AI, because ultimately you do have to deal with each jurisdiction and like the law is on the ground and it's being enforced by people whose actions are unpredictable and the underlying rules can change very quickly too. Um, I mean, so for example, to take a very um, extreme example, but I think a representative one is like, what are the crypto regulations in China? No AI can figure out what the crypto rules are in China because the entire point of the law in China is that it's not actually written down anywhere. Um, and, and so, you know, I think that's a, that's a good example of, you know, you still need humans to navigate a lot of this stuff when it's very complex and changeable and involves other humans. I'm not convinced that AI is going to help uh, comply with regulations Uh I, I, I think about the was the story of the lawyers who you know used chat GPT and, and <laughs> cited cases that like didn't exist and like hallucinated. hallucinated. So I feel like on, on things with with that level of importance, you know, for you know your company, it's it's one thing if you you know have to write an internal tool and use AI to help generate the code for like really big decisions and like how to comply with regulation. I think it's just gonna be you know a long time you know before then. Uh, I think It'll be interesting to see just in terms of, you know, education of consumers. And when I think about a lot of the questions around the regulatory environment, it's how do you make sure that there are the appropriate disclosures uh, in place and that consumers you know, know what they're buying, whether or not something is is a security. And, you know, you could say, OK, well, if you had a chat bot, you could ask any question like, you know, could that make it easier? But if the teams aren't, you know, putting the right disclosures out there, like AI can, AI can only organize information that that is there. And so I, I'm not even sure it's it's that helpful uh, from a from a disclosures perspective. And I think that there's also the risk of, you know, you could have, you know, an investor using an AI chatbot that they ask it a question and that AI chatbot said this coin was going to be great. And like, where did that come from? Mm. And so I feel like a, for, for a lot of these questions around, you know, disclosures and having consumers know what they're buying uh, and complying with regulation, like, uh, you know, AI is just a tool and, you know, organizing the information itself, you know, when the information isn't really there, you know, it just doesn't really solve the problem. Right. You You make two good points, which is, like a typical chatbot, there are no guardrails, at least in the way we we have them deployed right now, right? So you can imagine a, a purpose-built chatbot that will like know to not give financial advice, for example. But, you know, in the present day, you can totally just go to ChatGPT and be like, is Dogecoin going to go up next week? And it will I don't know for a fact, but it seems like there's a good chance that it will just make up an answer and pretend like it knows. Yeah. Um, and 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 so you know you uh, you you have to be careful with that. Absolutely. Sure. I mean, and the same goes for regulatory too, right? Like if there's a blank spot where somebody wants an answer about regulation, a chatbot could very well just make something up. Yeah, the hallucination is one of those things that if you don't know what it's talking about, then you could assume it knows what it's talking about. But if you're an expert, you can tell like the lawyers and that should have double checked all of those cases. But Actually, can I throw out one more, one more, one more thought about this? And 
it's a it's an application not related to chatbots per se, but I think it's one of the more interesting um, crypto applications for um, for AI in general, which is Ben Gertzel's Singularity Net. Um, and the basic idea behind Singularity Net is obviously we know that like training an LLM, for example, requires a vast amount of computing resources. That's one of the reasons why entities like Google and OpenAI, which is a huge tech firm in its own right, are able to lead the way on some of these things is because they have the financial assets to get that compute. SingularityNet very broadly is an effort to use tokenization to democratize the sourcing of compute for the training of LLMs and other AI models. And I think it's, you know, it's it's still not entirely clear what Gertzel's endgame is here, but his broad argument is that if we have a sort of democratically sourced um, set of AI models, not just LLMs, but all kinds of other things that are built on this distributed model, then you have a little bit less centralized control. And that gets to some of the core values of crypto, because right now, I mean, if it's not already obvious to everybody out there, I mean, the US government has a direct line to everything that Google and Microsoft and all of these other big tech companies and Facebook are doing in terms of like your data, your queries, and the underlying models. And so that's ripe for abuse, especially from a surveillance perspective. And so, you know, there there is at least this beginning process of trying to build an alternative using these distributed solutions. The second thing I would say, just from a like consumer protection viewpoint for your listeners, it seems very basic to some of us, but to, to get it out there for everybody, blockchains are obviously incredibly inefficient for actually doing compute on chain. So I would just broadly advise extreme skepticism of any project that sounds like it thinks it's going to be doing AI compute on chain. That's probably a scam um, unless there's something going on that is really radical. Most of the time, a, a blockchain is not going to be like where any actual AI is happening. So just as like a red flag to, to keep, an, keep an eye out. No, I love this. Yeah. I mean, that for sure <laughs> wraps us on a, on a very interesting note. We're, we're going to come back to this and revisit uh, this topic because this is going to be very prevalent in our industry and there's so much more to cover. Thank you guys for joining me. Uh, where can people find more about you and what you're doing, David? Uh, two places, uh, primarily at coindesk.com. If you are not already subscribed to the Node, that is our uh, daily newsletter. And I write a column for that twice a week that you'll get first if you're subscribed to the email. And, and sometimes those are market moving. So uh, it's worth to be subscribed. Um, and then just on Twitter at, at David Z. Morris. Um, I can't say I post uh the most useful content all the time, but it is at least, I think, entertaining. So <laughs> how about you, Kai? On Twitter at Kai Sheffield and visa.com slash crypto. And you can find me at Xerox Mauricio on Twitter, on LinkedIn, Mauricio Magaldi, and obviously 11fs.com. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We've lost in the works, and we're so excited to be talking about crypto, blockchain, and maybe AI with you again. And if you can wait until the next episode, take a look at the many previous episodes we have on our catalog and get yourself properly immersed in the world of crypto. And if you really love it, please leave us a review. It helps us to make it better and helps other people find the show. As always, if you want to join the conversation, find us on social media. Just search for 11FS or Blockchain Insider or email us at podcasts at 11FS.com. This is all for today. Stay rare. Stay weird. 
LFG.